Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing uh, a Target novelisation, uh, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, which, um, as circumstances sort of, all the, all the planets have aligned, I suppose you could say, it's actually 30 years this year that uh, Sylvester McCoy took over the role as the Doctor. So it's, um, it's a little tribute, I suppose you could say, isn't it now? <laughs> Yes, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe. We, we <laughs> shall see, we shall see. But first, it's not the news. We're not going to do the news this week, um, mainly because it's been, what, nearly a month since we actually recorded. There's been a couple of podcasts in between, but we haven't actually recorded. So what news there is, you've already heard, so we're not going to bother. Yes. So what we're going to do instead is bring you an interview um, that I did on this week um, with Mr Andrew Smith, no less. So we're going to hear that right now. And my guest right now is writer and, amongst other things, let's just say, Andrew Smith. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hi, Phil. Nice to be here. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, um, we're not just here predominantly to talk about Doctor Who, are we? Because we're going to talk about something very close to your heart, first of all, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So at the moment you're um, raising money for um, something called the Lily Foundation. That's right. That's I right. Think, yeah, I've um, uh, I've got to be running um, uh, a 10K run in Glasgow on Sunday the 1st of October 2017, depending when you're listening to this, but probably next year as well and the year after. There we <laughs> um, are, get it in quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 getting the plug in for next year already, but... Um, uh, yeah, it's all part of the Great Scottish Run weekend uh, in Glasgow, and it's uh, yeah, I'm running to raise funds for the Lilly Foundation, which is a charity very, very close to my heart. Um, uh, it's a charity that works to help those suffering with and families uh, uh, who have family members are afflicted by a condition called mitochondrial disease. That's uh, not as well known as some, but it's debilitating, can be fatal. Um, uh, and they're also working to fund research to find a cure for it because there is no cure. And Lily, uh, for whom it's uh, the foundation is named, uh, died at only eight months. Um, uh, uh, I knew and I know her mum and dad. She was born in August 2006, just a few months after my younger daughter, Um and then after a few weeks, she was very unwell. She got rushed to the hospital a couple of times. <clears throat> and uh, at eight weeks old, she was diagnosed with mitochondrial disease. Uh, and her parents, Liz and Dave, were told that she was going to die. And it could be within days. Um, and as it happened, she was, she was a, a tough little thing. And she lived for eight months uh, and died on the 30th of April, 2007. Um and I, I, you know, I, I remember when my wife told me. I think, I think when Lily was about three or four months old, you know, what her condition was, what was happening, what her parents were going through. I just, uh, I, 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 I got very emotional. I got choked, mm, tears. Yeah. I just thought, uh, and my younger daughter was only a few months older than her. Uh, but she would, have, she would have gone to school with Lily, if Lily had lived, and they would have started secondary school together just this month. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I, it just really struck me. I got very emotional about it. And yeah, a couple of years ago, 
uh, when I started, when I first had the idea to to run the Great Scottish Run. Um, well, it was, well, it was immediate. It's, uh, the, the instant I had that thought, I had the same thought of, yeah, I'll run for the Lily Foundation mm, uh, yeah. and see what I can do. So we've raised um, a few hundred, I think we've raised about £1,600 over the last couple of years. And uh, again, I'm, I'm running to raise initially £500 this year. I'm about 70% of the way towards that at the moment. But yes, yeah, so I'm looking at your yeah. Just Giving page as we speak. Yes, yeah, 70%. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I have a Just Giving page, and uh, you can get to that through links and the profiles on my uh, Facebook page and on Twitter. Um, uh, and you can donate there, and the money goes straight to the charity, and it's anonymous. And you don't get followed with Just Giving. You you don't know you don't get followed. You don't you don't finish up getting emails and texts and things. Um, it's a very very easy way to give to charity, and it is a. It's a fabulously, fabulously worthwhile charity. It does great work, uh, and it needs the funds to keep doing that work. And uh, Liz especially, but the whole team, they work absolutely tirelessly. Uh, if you want to follow them on Twitter, they are at 4Lily Foundation, the number 4Lily Foundation on Twitter. Uh, and I should mention as well, this is Mito Awareness Week. Uh, uh, all around the global Mito Awareness Week. Um where we're looking to raise awareness of the condition. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really is debilitating. Mitochondria are basically the batteries of your cells, of your body. They change the chemical energy from food into energy to make the bits of your body work. What happened with Lily was it was a heart uh, that failed. Um, so basically the batteries don't work. Uh, and you can imagine, you know, just what, what that does to someone, what quality of life can give them and how it can very easily end up in fatality yeah yeah mm. yeah I, I must admit I, i'd never heard of this condition at all yeah. um until mm. i sort of saw your um just giving yeah. link come up i think it was on twitter um yeah. so obviously i went to the lee foundation um it's the lee foundation.org.uk um that's so if you need to if you guys at home want to um look this up further um <clears> yeah i couldn't be- I, I didn't sort of know what this was, was this was about at all um mm-hmm. and the fact that there, there is no cure um just goes to show how important raising money for this foundation is yes yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. Also, it's, also a, it's a lot them. more. It's a lot more commonplace than you think. Mm. Um, and again, just the fact that it's not as well known as other conditions. Yeah, is absolutely. Uh, you know, it's deadly. It's debilitating. Um, and again, this week we're looking to raise awareness, and it, it's great to come on here and be be part of that as well. Just raising people's awareness of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think mm. this is um, sort of <laughs> good opportunity to sort of get out to as many people as possible and sort of raise the awareness of this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because as I say, people like myself never heard of this before, um, mm. but um, now I do. So let's do what we can to um, to make things right. Grand. Grand. That's it. That is it. Mm. So um, basically, links to um, the Lee Foundation website and Andrew's fundraising page and also his Facebook page will be in the show notes. Um, so please head over to Andrew's uh, fundraising page before the 1st of October, uh, or you can keep donating after that time. Oh, yeah, it doesn't, abs- doesn't yeah, matter. Abs- yeah, yeah. It doesn't close. Yeah, if you hear this after that, you want to donate. Uh, if we reach the target, don't let that... Well, I, I, I really hope we do. Um, I'm, I'm confident we will, but with, with people's support... Um, but you know, if it's reached the target, don't let that stop you. Just donate, or go direct to Lily Foundation and direct uh, and donate through their page, and consider a regular donation as well. That's it. That's it. Mm. 
Excellent. Okay, so I mean, how how long have you been training for this though? Because <laughs> we, we spoke about um, this before we started recording. Um, and yeah. you're, you're talking about the, the various sort of uh, battles <laughs> your knees are having at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've been training. Uh, can I just say first of all, for, we will talk about Doctor Who in a minute. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, well, I listen to Big Finish when I run most of the time as well. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I. I, I I have a I have a treadmill that uh, and I treadmill run uh, most of the time anyway, mm. just uh, uh, to keep the fitness up. But I st- I started probably training for this about three months ago. I I I I I created my just giving page a little late this time, only a few weeks ago, because I was running in May and uh, it was going great. And then I did a five mile six mile run up in Kirkintilloch. Yeah, uh, I live in London, but I was up in Scotland and. Um, uh, I thought at the end, I thought, oh, my knee doesn't feel too good. And then I had two weeks of, at times, excruciating knee pain, uh, which got better. But then I came back to running and I'd, I'd get intermittent knee pain. So I wasn't sure it's going to hold up. Uh, and then it seemed to be okay. And I made the Just Giving page. And then I started getting knee pain again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it seems, it's, it's coming and going. But I, you know, I, had a, I had three or four runs there. I felt nothing. And then today I had a little bit of trouble. But then I, I ran through it and it was fine. But I'm not going to do a long run. Uh, but it means I'm keeping my distances down a little bit. I did five and a half kilometers today uh, and the other day. But I'll uh, I'll save the long one for the day. And hopefully my knee will hold up. Even if it, if I have to limp around the 10 kilometers, I'll, I'll do it. You'll do it, even if they carry yeah, across yeah, the yeah. finishing line. You'll still but, do but, it. Yeah, but I'm, you know, fingers crossed that it won't come to that, and I'll, I'll run the distance. Good stuff. Well, everyone, <clears> uh, so let's all send positive vibes to Andrew's knees right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the best mm. of luck, and I hope you do finish it, and, and as I say, raise you know absolute tons of money um, for for this Cheers. really, really worthy cause. Really worthy cause. Thanks very much. Okay, right now, obviously, people also want to want to hear about Doctor Who as well, won't they? So, um, yes. So, um, I think really this sort of begin. I mean, you've just been writing um, for David Bradley. Now, obviously, you can't go into oh, yeah. too much too mm. much detail on that at the moment. No, but um, no. obviously, but obviously, the the stories announced as the Barbarians and the Samurai. And yeah. um, how how was it sort of writing for? the first doctor and actually rather than like a companion chronicle um an actual first doctor adventure do you, did you find yourself looking at revisiting old um old william hartnell stories to yeah, get to get a feel I, for I it did, i did in fact for the first time um i found myself doing a, a who watch in order oh okay um, by accident i um i had recently watched rewatched an unearthly child and daleks Mm. And I'd listened to Marco Polo not long before. Anyway, so I went to watch the Aztecs initially, and of course yeah. I loved that. I love that story more every time I watch it. And that was the, the fourth, fifth, uh, yeah, yeah, fifth um, William Hartnell serial, um, mm-hmm. and then carried on with the Censorites, and then carried on again. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I thought, oh, I'll watch all of the Hartnell then. And I did, yeah. and I felt I really, you know, I. I it's an in, I mean, I'd seen all the stories before that were there to be seen, and I'd listened to the, most of the ones that weren't. Yeah. Um, but it, it really helped me, I, I think, yeah, get into the mindset of that era. Um, I get, you're, you're quite right. I can't say too much about it because we want to kind of keep our powder dry a little bit. But it was yeah, exciting. Yeah. The studio days were great. The story is one um, that is... Uh, you know, it's an historical. We know we said there are two historicals, and clearly the Barbarians and the Samurai... You know, that's it screams historical, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it's set in a, a time in Japanese history that I know well, and I've I've kind of wanted to do a, a story around it mm-hmm. for a while. And I loved doing the pure historical. Um, I I I I I'm very very pleased with the script. And if there's a, you know if you're listening out there and think oh pure historicals aren't quite for me, well just I hope this might surprise you. Um, this is a uh, you know it's a really I just got it as a rollicking adventure really. I'd actually, I was going to say, I actually wish Doctor Who would do more raw historicals now, big fin- actually. Big Finish have done some excellent ones. They have, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, watching <clears> the, old, <throat> the old Hartnell historicals, I think they're <clears throat> great, to be honest. They are, yeah. I yeah. think, I mean, I mean, I particularly like Reign of Terror. Um, I know it's what most of uh-huh. now animated, but um, I I really love that story. Yeah, and, and you learn things as well. I think that's the thing, you know, the Aztecs is one where you, you, you learn quite, okay, it's not all accurate. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I didn't really know anything about the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. Mm, uh, anything no, at me all, really. No. You know? um, so that story taught me something. And in big finish terms, I was listening to the Peterloo Massacre by uh, Paul Mars last year. And yeah. again, that wasn't some... I, I knew the name. Um, I, I, knew the, I knew the event roughly, but that really was an education. And I, and I hope the Barbarians and the Samurai is an education to people... As well, because I, I I think it's an area of history in a part of the world that people don't really know. Mm, yeah, um, but it was a fascinating time. Mm. I think that's the. Um, I mean, obviously <clears> that that was that was the remit back of you know the BBC back in the day, wasn't it? To you know educate and entertain. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears> you know, and I think Doctor Who in, in those certainly those early years, it really did sort of fulfil that that remit. Um, to be honest, I mean, is, is, mm. is this something you'd like to 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 come back to again to write more? Pure historical stuff for, for Big Finish. Well, yeah, I mean, this is this has been a very good experience for me. Um, yeah, uh, and there are other periods. Uh, yeah, one thing I've actually suggested a couple of times we haven't we haven't done it yet is actually mm. to go to the War of eighteen twelve in Canada. Ah, okay. Um, which uh, well, Canada and and the United States. Yeah, because again, it's something that uh, Canadians. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I, I know this can be heartbreaking. I, I was actually <laughs> having I was actually having dinner with friends. In Niagara a couple of years ago, and we were talking about the War of eighteen twelve. Yeah. And when I when I said to them that actually very few people in Britain know anything about it, their their faces fell. <laughs> uh, but but it's it's true for some reason it hasn't it isn't something that is commonly known about. Um, no, it's, I, I, I think it's, it's a... something that's kind of not talked about because it is you know it's 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 a war with America. If you go to Canada and you go to the historical sites there, Fort George and Fort Niagara and places like that, mm. they'll say, "Well, it was a it, yeah, it was a war that no one really won, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> the British won it because <laughs> we stayed there." Um, <laughs> but uh, but it is it isn't the approach is interesting because it's almost like yeah we it's it's kind of like you know you've made up again you you've had a fight with your best mate and made up and you kind of pretend you never had an argument you know this is Canada and America pretending they were never at war with each other yeah um <laughs> but they were uh yeah uh, yeah before, oh, well, before it became Canada yeah. <clears throat> oh so, so you're gonna you're gonna pitch that story fairly soon then, uh, I, I imagine <laughs> yeah well it's, it's it's a period of history I'd, yeah I'd love to. Do I mean I th- again part of the thing of doing the Japanese thing? With, with mm. Part part of the impetus for that was I I think this is something I want to tell people about, and um, yeah, with the War of eighteen twelve as well. Yeah. So it's... where did you? I mean, come back to the sort of the um, the story you've written for for David Bradley. What where did your sort of interest in sort of Japanese sort of history come from? Um, 
Oh, that that goes back to about 1980, 1981, when I read uh, James Clavell's Shogun. Oh yes, which yes. is not just which is not just a great novel, but it's um, uh, uh, it's it's actually a it's it's actually an education in itself because it's full of background and detail of the period. I mean, it's an earlier period than I said my story in, but the, you know a lot of the same things apply. Mm. Um, and on that, I I got interested. I read Japanese history books and I even learned a little bit of the language, <laughs> a very little bit of the language. You know, to say like. Is the notebook over there? I saw Kuni Hongara Masaka, you know. Um, but, uh, and I probably got that wrong now. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, it goes back there. And I've always, you know, if I've seen like magazine articles on Japan, I always pounce on them and books and movies and documentaries and things. Um, yeah, just uh, always been fascinated by it. I mean, well, maybe, sort of... maybe, I'll maybe say more about that nearer the time because it's not coming out till summer of next year. Next year, I know. But I, know. I can I... tell you, it was. I will say, it was. It was amazing to be asked to do it. I was so chuffed. And imagine. and then we yeah. had to keep it quiet <laughs> for so long because <laughs> we because uh, I started writing it almost a year ago. I was writing wow, the script. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I say, maybe talk more about it nearer the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, I mean, how how I mean, how difficult is it keeping something like this a secret? Because you must be sort of bursting to want to tell people. Well, one, ab- one about thing, what you know. One, th- one thing that helps is you know. I think most people. I was a police officer, and I was in an area of policing where we we kept secrets and we kept big secrets. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's a very as I think even in areas of policing, there are some people who struggle to keep secrets. In that in my specialist area. You do it every day, and the main thing is just don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, that that's, is, right. that's a simple thing. Don't tell anybody, uh, and there is no you, you don't feel the urge to to blurt out, "Oh, I've got a secret," or whatever. Just don't tell anybody. Yeah, um, yeah. One thing though, I mean, it's kind of like when I was asked to do the War Doctor, mm. which again was one of the this and the War Doctor were two of the biggest ones, and I met with the War Doctor. I remember being so relieved. When it was announced, and it was announced earlier than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, um, I was hugely relieved when it was announced because we'd we'd had the news of the tenth Doctor series being leaked. Oh, um, yes, it was. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I just uh, the, the War Doctor series was a big secret, huge secret. Very, you know, very few people knew about it, and I just didn't want it to be leaked because because again, you you know, you'd be in that small circle of people who actually knew about it. Um, so. No, it's not. It's not difficult keeping it a secret. It's just that you feel, you know, as 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 time, as time goes <laughs> on, you just say there's more and more of a chance that it might be leaked out from somewhere. Yeah, um, as a, I was yeah. say, as, as a as a as a sort of writer, you you sort of created the story, and obviously, um, you you're very very heavily invested in that. When things like that are spoiled, I mean, just how disappointing is that? Because obviously, we review big finish um, stories um, on this podcast, and mm. obviously. I'm sort of still playing catch up with Big Fish. I wasn't aware of it at all um, mm. during during the years when when Doc Two wasn't you know on the television. Oh right. So, mm. so mm. I'm still I'm still playing sort of catch up uh, with with a lot of Big Finish. Yeah, you need to be like so, me because I'm not just a Doctor Who fan. I'm a Big Finish fan. I got in there right yeah. at the beginning. You know. I remember, oh right. You know, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So all the, all the Judge Dredd stuff and you know 2000 AD. And There's a bit that, of that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, mostly mostly Doctor Who. But um, yeah. But yeah, I did have some of the the Judge Dredd. The very good, very good. Toby Longworth. Yeah, um, that's right. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, in 99, I think it was, I was looking for an audiobook to listen to in the car on the drive up to Glasgow and walked into W. H. Smith's in a service station at Hilton Park near Birmingham and they had these full cast Doctor Who's, Land of the Dead and Winter for the Adept, to um, mm. Peter Davison stories. Wow. On cassette. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so listen to them. But in terms of spoiling, I mean, it hasn't, I don't, I don't think it's happened um, to me. Because uh, I was going to say, because um, one of the things mm. we we're quite conscious of when we're reviewing is not, because obviously we, we, we preach that not everybody listens to Big Finish. And we yeah, and obviously yeah, yeah. we sort of warn people beforehand, mm. stop stop listening now, you know, before we spoil it, because we don't want to spoil anything for anybody, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. really. Mm. I know it's out in, in the public domain, but it's obviously that it's before it's out in the public domain is, and you get this things in the sun, like an insider says, um, you know, they... Sometimes they're quite on the money with some of their spoilers. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah, and that was the thing with the Tenth Doctor. Thing. I mean, I wasn't involved yeah. in the Tenth Doctor, but of course, it got into the national press. The, the the really damaging, potentially damaging thing about that is that the the it hadn't been recorded. Uh, what really? And, I... and it and it might still have fallen through. You know, um, uh, so that was uh, no, that wasn't good. No, no. <laughs> to be honest, but thankfully, you know, that didn't happen. With her other ones, and again, there are stories like having David Bradley, like having John Hurt um, on board the War Doctor. That sort of thing is a potential for like, a national interest. Exactly, in the news story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's better. These things are just, uh, you know, it's better as a listening experience as well that people just find these things out at the right time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. I mean, I think I think it's. Um, I mean, all they're doing, yeah. is, as, as we know, they're just trying to sell papers um, or, in, yeah. you know, in the modern age, it's, it's just sort of clickbait articles a lot of the time. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm, I'm sure Big Finish have got plenty of other things uh, lined up um, that I'll be delighted, you know, to hear about them when they're announced and uh, whatever. And and I, I that's how I prefer to find out about them. Yeah, because yeah, I, 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 I don't know what's on the cards across the board at Big Finish. The things I know about are the things I'm asked to write for. Um, uh, but there are other things, you know, when I heard about Jenny, the Doctor's daughter, and the new New Earth yeah. changes that are coming out, they were news to me, and I was delighted to, to find out about them that way. It's good. I mean, I mean obviously, <laughs> you're, you're sort of... Um, how, can I, how can I put this? You're, you're sort of on the... With regards to Doctor Who, you're, you're on the inside <laughs> looking out, really. Um, but are you... To an extent. Mm. To an extent, yeah. But, I mean, obviously, this. <clears throat> It's interesting to see that, or hear rather, that you're you're still finding things out the, the same way the rest of us do. Um, I yeah, think absolutely. Say, yeah, yeah. I think people take for granted because you're involved with Big Finish, you <clears> must <throat> know everything that goes on there. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I tell you, what, I tell you what is. <laughs> what was it? I think it was. Um, I forget. I forget what the range was, but um, John Dorney, Matt Fitton, and I were at a recording together. Yeah. We went to the we went to the pub afterwards, and it was a it's a new series thing. It might have been Unit, something we were all involved in, and mm. it was all like this is a secret, keep it a secret, and we were all kind of eyeballing each other. Is it, is it having this call? Is it what are you working on? And we're all so we didn't know, but we were all three of us working on it. All <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> but we didn't know the others were. So I was kind of eyeballing Matt. Matt's eyeballing me. We're both eyeballing John. Is eyeballing us. <laughs> and I forget how we got there. I think it was a kind of a little coded little remark dropped into the conversation. Then it was like, oh, we are, we're all working on it. Right, we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we were like dancing around the subjects and, you know, looking for a little flicker of recognition and 
yeah so there was that thing that yeah we were working on it but we didn't know the others were working on it that, that was funny yeah the way you just described <clears> it it sounds it sounds like the end of the good the bad and the ugly you just sort of staring looking eyeballing each other uh, who's going to draw first you know so. yeah 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 that's, oh uh, dear so i mean after all these years i mean obviously um so it's safe to say you've always been a fan of of, of Doctor Who. Um, was there yeah. ever a sort of a point? Obviously, you, you know you joined the police <clears> force and, <throat> and, and and so on. So, was there ever a, a time where you sort of stopped becoming a, a fan and your your sort of it, then it sort of reignited later? Because that's um, kind of what happened to me. I sort of stopped watching it for towards the end of its run, really, no, and then I, I was, sort of came back to it in later years. I was always a fan of the classic series. Yeah. And I was always a fan of Big Finish. I mean, when I discovered Big Finish, that was it. I got hooked and I was getting certainly all the Doctor Who titles as they came out. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I didn't get into the novels. Um, I tried, there was, a, there was a novel I tried, um, and I forget what range it was, and I, I don't want to say the title actually. <laughs> but I read it and I just thought it wasn't really Doctor Who. It was very adult, it had sex in it. Um, and I thought, this just isn't really Doctor Who. No. That I know, really. Um, uh, so I didn't even finish that book. And then there were a couple, there was one, um, I wish I could remember the name of it, I really enjoyed a uh, story of the second, it was the second Doctor, Jamie and Zoe. Yeah. And they met the Salations, these, these aliens who look like sharks. Oh, yes, I've read that one um, as well, actually. Yeah, and I, It's got a title yeah. I can never remember. I'm really, really sorry. But, um, you know, and I enjoyed that. But I, I didn't, re- you know, really get into the novels. So, And again, at Big Finish, David Richardson, one day in the studio, showed me mm. a front page of a script. Said, Look. And it said, Damaged Goods. And I looked at it and thought, uh, yep. <laughs> 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 and then, it, then I saw underneath it said, By Russell T. Davis. Oh, ah. <laughs> Ah, there. <laughs> but but um, yeah, so bad fan, bad fan in that regard. I, I didn't. Um, but what a great story! It's oh, I, I know it now, and I'm so pleased I do. So pleased, yeah. And I wish I'd known it at the time. What a fabulous bill work! Oh but, god, uh, yeah. So yeah, the cl- the classic series was something. Uh, yeah, and even in you know in those wilderness years as we call them, I was quite mm. prone to getting up in the morning. I, I, I when I got for work in the morning, I like to. Have a bit of time to just chill out, and I was quite in the habit in terms of just watching an episode before work and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I can say cause mm. my my um, <clears throat> my podcast co-host um, Paul he used to record them when they were shown on um, UK Gold when it was called UK Gold back in the days. They used to show the yeah. omnibus editions on. Yeah, yeah. Was it late Saturday nights and early Sunday mornings? I think. I mem- so I remember the weekend mornings when I was. Yeah, like, and again. You know, we were still they, they were still coming out on VHS at the time. So sometimes they were the first yeah. time the chance to first chance to see it possibly at all, or the first chance to see a program since uh, since since broadcast. Oh God, yeah. I mean, there's some yeah. of them. I mean, some of the 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 Hartle and what was left of Hartle in the Trout mm. years, I'd, I'd never ever seen before. No, you know, yeah, so it, you know, it was the mm. first exposure to them. So it was. Uh, mm. I just look forward mm. to. We used to bring around a big stack of videos for me to watch. So yeah, cool. <laughs> it was yeah. really exciting for me actually. Yeah, yeah. But what yeah. I mean, what what I mean, what sort of kicked off your doctor? I mean, you probably asked this question loads of times anyway. But what sort of kicked off your love of Doctor Who? What was what was the first sort of thing you saw? Uh, the first thing I remember seeing is Yeti on the Underground. Um, yeah. Uh, so imagine how chuffed I was on the web of fear came back. Oh god, yeah. Um, and Cybermen. I, I remember Cybermen, but again, there were so many stories that maybe that I remember an earlier story in the web of fear, and I, it, I probably do. But hmm. um, and I used to devour the comics at the time, and I was like six or seven years old at this point. 
Um, and I love them. And I, I've got strong, strong memories of watching the Quarks. Loved the Quarks. And they, they turned up in comics and annuals a lot at the time. That's right, they did, yeah. Um, uh, I've got a little a little Quark figure in front of me here. Just <laughs> by the microphone. Um, uh, and I, me- I remember having a dream or a nightmare about Quarks coming over a hill. And then when okay, I finally yeah. got to see the Dominators on VHS, there was that sh- thing that I remembered as a dream, was them coming mm. over like the top of the quarry, you know. Um, that was great. And that's the thing. I mean, the Dominators as a story has its failings, but it takes me back to being six or seven years old. Uh, and for that reason, I'm never going to have anything but affection for it. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> it's, I think that's the, that's the thing about, you know, if if you're sort of a fan of a show, and you you always remember your first episodes, no matter how old you yeah, were. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, um, and there is like a chemical brain reaction, I think, with some yeah. of that stuff. And even going back, you know, in my teen years, you know, watching, uh, I mean, John 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 Pertwee's stuff is fabulous, um, and then Tom Baker, just fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, and those those years, you know, the Robert Holmes, Philip Hinchcliffe years were just as good as it gets. Um, and it was nice at that age, you know, just watching and week after week after week, it was just fabulous. Um, uh, so instead, you know, what sparked fandom, it was just simply, it's, it's kind of, if you, basically, if you were a six or seven year old in the UK, back mm. in the sixties, yeah. <laughs> the, the late sixties, that was your job was to be a Doctor Who fan. You know, you didn't get any choice. It was great. You watched it every week. Um, yeah. And it carried on. So it never really... Uh, it never it, really, it never really left away. you, sort of no, thing. No, no. I mean, writing for the TV series. I mean, I suppose that changed it slightly. You, you do kind of see the program a little differently, having had that experience. Yeah. Um. Uh. But still, but but then again, my fandom had always been a thing where I'd always been interested in more in the making of it than the mythology. I was always hugely interested in the behind the scenes, how it was made. Um. The actors that were in it, the obviously the writing of it, the, the plots and stories. And I used to um, audio record it every week. Um, oh wow, that's that's then, dedication. But yeah. but then I I would write out from starting with uh, the pyramids of Mars. Mm. And if that's a point, I, actually, yeah, that's a point at which my fandom went up a gear. While the mind of uh, sorry, the planet of evil was being broadcast, and this is around October nine. I want to say October seventy four, maybe seventy five. Um, I went to the Doctor Who exhibition on the Golden Mile in Blackpool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which was great. But also I saw Target books the first time and got my first Target books. And it was Doctor Who and the Cybermen, Doctor Who and the Abominable Snowmen, and I think Doctor Who and the Giant Robot. Uh, oh, yes, it was called that. Yeah, yes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I think I think they were the first three books I got. Um, and uh, and was, so the first one I read, being a huge Cyberman fan, was Doctor Who and the Cybermen. Um, but on the back of that, I then, yeah, I started recording and novelizing, if you like, all the serials. And I still got a lot of those. Oh, uh, excellent. Yeah, and I used to do like, illustrations and accompanying some of them as well. Um, uh, yeah, I certainly still got, like, The Hand of Fear, Robots of Death, Talons of Wing Chiang, uh, Horrifying Rock. They're, they're still knocking around here. Uh, never to see like a day. But... <laughs> but, uh, but I said, but I I think that was invaluable for me, really, in terms of getting a feel for dialogue on the page, mm. and plot and structure. Doing that, um, 
And I did it with other things. I remember doing it with the Sweeney as well. I used to write those out. Another um, favourite of mine as well, yeah. This <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a story called Poppy, I remember writing that. Um, and someone said, someone said, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't, no, I'm just saying, I don't want to, it's not even that strong a word. It begins with B and it means illegitimate. I don't want to say, just in case it gets you an E rating or, you know. Oh, that's all right, you but, can say it, uh, bastard. Oh, right. There you okay, go, I'll say it for okay. you. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> I just remember, I was such a naive kid, someone said bastard and I just wondered, you know, I, I hesitated to write it. <laughs> that's, that's what a naive little nerdy, geeky kid I was. But, um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I used to love doing that. But I think it did give me a, a feeling for dialogue. Uh, also admit, yeah, I, I, the, the Doctor I, exhibition I, and the Target books yeah. actually did up my fandom. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, I've never known anybody to actually <clears throat> sort of write a novelisation based on the, t- the, the what they've just recorded off the television. I've heard a lot of people like sitting in front with their little sort of the, yeah, the little cassette pl- recorders. And, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of telling everyone to stop talking. I'm recording Doctor Who. Uh, you know, so. Oh um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, even, even when I stop trying, I mean, transcribing them, whatever you want to call it, you know. But I, I didn't yeah, write them as yeah. proper prose, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. even when I stopped, I was still audio recording, and. Uh, I know, and I still think of the seventies Doctor Who thing because <laughs> I used to be in my, in my bedroom, and I just put the recorder in front of the TV, yeah. the little black and white TV we had up there, and then I'd hit, you know, slap down, play and record, and then sneak out of the room and shut the door as the title starts. So, my in my head, really, the the seventies Doctor Who theme that I used to hear back all the time on tape was dun 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 dun. The, the creaky door of my bedroom <laughs> shutting, you know, because every single week that was like, the door shutting as the as the, uh, the theme started. Oh, excellent! <clears throat> they sh- they shouldn't introduce that now into the titles. I think the creaky door. <laughs> yeah, mix it up a bit. Mix it up. It a would bit. exactly. Exactly. Just, they like to try just, new things, don't they? So. Just to please me. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, <clears> I mean, <throat> um, sort of like I know, sort of, sort of times getting on now. Um, but That's obviously, right. yeah. uh, so we chat about half an hour now. Um, would would you? If you were offered the chance to do that, or have you been offered the chance actually to, to write for, for Doctor on, t- on TV uh, now? No, no, I haven't, and I, do, I don't expect to be. But if I was, you know, I'd, I'd bite the hand off. Um, uh, uh, I think that answers it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave that there. Any, then. Any, anything else I say would just be waffle, really. But uh, <laughs> straight no, to I the haven't. point. It's, that's it, yeah. it, it, it's a lovely thing to think of, but uh, no, I don't. I, I don't see it happening. Um, oh. But I look, I look, I do look forward very much to seeing what Chris Chibnall does with it, and yes, um, aren't we all? Who he aren't gets in, and uh, and what Jodie Whittaker does with the part. Yes, I think this mm. is this is going to be the, um, the the biggest thing for everybody. Um, I yeah, think, you know what, what's Jodie going to do with with the role? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think she, I think she's going to be brilliant. So um, and yeah, I, 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 sort of... I feel ext- I, I I I feel really stoked about it. Actually, it was you know watching that reveal, it just a. A kind of punch the air moment, and I, it's kind of was that you just that you know that's my honest reaction, mm. and I think it's kind of one of those things. If someone had said, "How do you feel about a female doctor?" You can I don't know, I'd be, yeah. and I, I I felt positive about it, but kind of that's that's your test, you know. And exactly. it's when she yeah. pulled the hood off, it's like, oh wow, I don't know who she is, <laughs> <laughs> but she looks great for the part. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, what what was the atmosphere like? In we were you at home when you, when you saw? Oh that yeah, reveal? yeah, I've got um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's I saw it, and then the the girl, my my daughters weren't in the room, but I got them to come down, and I sort of rewound it, and I said, "Yeah, here you go, watch this." 
And um, I've got a lovely video of my, my older doctor, uh, my older doctor, my older daughter, Amy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jenny wasn't quite in the picture, but watching it and it's fantastic. Her jaw drops and then she gets this huge smile on her face. Oh, brilliant. Watching it. She's wow. You know, and, and she's someone who her, her interest has kind of waned. She's more of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Mm. And uh, vampire diaries, oh, vampire diaries don't start. She's oh, every single day. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know, we watch Agents of Shield together. Doctor Who, she likes and she wants yeah. to watch it. But I, I, this, this I think is re-stalking her, uh, her interest and her fandom for Doctor oh, Who. Good. I, mm. I wished I, I wished I'd filmed the reaction um, in my yeah. husband that, that that afternoon because you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah, I mean, everybody saw what they were doing, uh, and then when she sort of. I think that we were sort of quite sure. It's well, not until I saw her feet. You saw you saw mm. the, the the boots walking. I said that they're, they're they're women's boots, and my wife Jo was yeah. no, no. I said no, no. Honestly, they're women's boots. And then then she pulled the um a hood back, and yeah. my wife just went, "Oh, it's her. I like her." And that was yeah. it. And it's and it's piqued my wife's interest in Doctor Who again. She hasn't watched it since David Tennant left. Well, there you so, go. Yeah, there was, there, you are. About, there was something about the body language as well that made me think it was a woman. Also, the, the BBC page before mm. the announcement, obviously, it, it just said you know an announcement will be made later today during Wimbledon, yeah. the new Doctor Who. But then it said there's speculation the role could be taken by women. And I just remember thinking, I wonder if that, that's kind of an odd thing to put there if it's not going to be. And I, just as a passing thought, but I thought mm. that might be an indicator. Um, uh, and I, th- I think it's a perfect time for it. I think and c- so. And kudos to yeah. Chris Chibnall as well. You know, he's come in and he's taken what, what could be a big risk. Um, I, I don't think it is because I think his choice is, is perfect. I think the, the reaction overwhelmingly has been positive, despite... You know the lines that certain parts of the media took. Yeah, some yeah. some people who came out very much against it have since, uh, you know, and social media have since mm. changed their tune. Um, uh, and I just got a very positive vibe about it. Very positive. I think yeah. it'll be it'll be different. It'll be very different. Um, but that's what Doctor Who does. It changes uh, and becomes a different animal. It's a different animal. It's been a different animal the last two or three years from what it was ten years ago. It has. Um, yeah. I think that's the thing that sort of like, you know, the, the, the people who are sort of, oh, we can't have a you know a woman as the Doctor. Mm. Um, and I think it's been said many, many other places, and I think I've said it before myself, you know, for a show about change, mm. um, and people have followed it all these years, we get a different Doctor. Um, and yeah. then now because it's a woman, they don't, they will say, that's it, I'm not watching anymore, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, you know, you know, the forum, you know, you know the, I, well, I haven't looked at forums for a long time, but um, I remember sort of in the early years of the new series, you know, there'd be a program come out. You look on forums here or there, or wherever, and there'd always be someone saying, "That's it, I'd be watching Doctor Who." I'm never watching it again. And of course, they'd be back next week. Of course, uh, they will. Yeah. They can't stay away. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We're, we're all addicted. We're all addicted to it. Well, certainly the quality that we've been getting has just been fabulous. I mean, this this um, series nine, um, sorry, series ten, which is ten, said, yeah, yes, 10. yeah. Uh, I God, I, I you know, I thought it was the best one in years. Um, yeah, I agree. Just I agree. Word, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, but let's not forget, we have still got one more episode of uh, Peter Capaldi to to come, and of course David Bradley. So yeah, brings David it back full, full circle, yeah, really. Oh, to, to coin the phrase, there, so I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've had that one thrown out. That just kind of slipped out. I do apologise. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
no, 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 it, no, it fits really nicely actually. Yeah, but it's... um, yeah, it's gonna. I, 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 I can't wait actually for people to hear him as a doctor. They're, they're gonna love it, and Good. the rest of the cast as well playing their parts. Yeah, yeah I can't wait either. I'm, mm. I'm quite sure the people listening can't wait um, as well. So, um, so. Mm. Anyway, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, once thank everybody, you, the li- links to the show notes to the Lee Foundation and Andrew's um, um, Just Giving page, um, you can find on the show notes on our website. Yeah, so, please um, give if you can. I mean, any any amount um, is oh, gratefully received. I'm hugely appreciative, as as is the Lilly Foundation itself. Um, uh, and and do check them out; they do great work. Excellent stuff. Okay, Cheers, everybody, Phil. and and thanks thanks very much, Andrew. Thank you, Phil. Pleasure. Cheers. Yes, thank you very much, Andrew. It was, I mean, it, 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 that interview certainly turned out a lot longer than we than we originally planned, so thank you very much for your time. It really was f- um, fantastic to talk to you. And please, everybody at home, there is still time to donate to the Lily Foundation, so please head on over to Andrew's Just Giving page and uh, please donate as much as you can. Okay, then. So that leads us now onto our review of The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. In other words, the target novelisation of this book. And um, I do believe, Paul, it is your turn to kick this off, isn't it? Wasn't it me last time to kick things off? Um, I can't remember, and it's now too late <laughs> to bail <laughs> <to file> out. <laughs> what do you think of this one, then? I have to say, it's I've been dreading getting on to <laughs> this stuff. Uh, the, the, yeah, the McCoy stuff, really. Not necessarily my favourite. Well, we've only done one uh, before, haven't we? Battlefield, that's the only novelisation yes. we've, we've covered of The Seventh Doctor. Um, but we, we enjoyed that one, didn't we? I seem to remember. Yes. And surprisingly, I actually didn't mind the novelisation of this. Okay. Um, well- I I quite liked. I, yeah, there's a lot more mood in the the book than there is in the TV. I mean, I've, I've read the book and then thought, oh, perhaps I'm not so. Perhaps it's not so bad. Perhaps I'm actually now going to watch the DVD and I'm actually going to enjoy the DVD. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, do you know what? I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the Greatest Show in the Galaxy. I, I don't actually mind it as a as a. Um... I think it's quite effective in in some of the things that it does. Um, and there, did you watch the making? And I will get away from the novelisation, but did you watch you know, the making of? No, I didn't. know. No, it's it's quite um, it's quite interesting to see how they actually managed to put it together. Anyway, uh, it was it was quite a a bit of ingenious set design, and where they actually, they actually filmed it in a car park, all the yeah. circus I, stuff. I, you know, I do know they had problems running it with asbestos and all that in the studio. That's right. Yeah. Something. Yeah, so yeah. it really wasn't, a, you know, it, it, the funny thing is the way they sort of describe it being put together and the way they everybody did pull together to get this done, it was almost like putting on a circus. Everybody had to do their bit to make sure it come together, but, you know, doing it by the seat of their pants. And, um, yeah, so I, I've always had a bit of a, a soft spot for this one. Um, and particularly, I liked the performance of the... Of the um, the chief clown was it in was it Reddington? I think the actor's name. I thought he was really good yes. as, the, as the chief clown. I thought, I thought he was fantastic. Um, but but anyway, that's the TV version. What do we think of the book then? So what what was it about the, the book that that you liked? 
Um, just that it really fleshed the story out a bit. You got from the beginning of the. I mean, watching the DVD is just how quickly everything just moves in that. Hmm. And I don't just mean in you know in terms of um, the you know how how it's paced. Yeah. I just mean it just basically. You sort of have the even at the beginning before they get into the the circus. You have them meeting Captain Cook at the robot. Mm. And then they're suddenly they're all together still at the the bus. Yeah, and I think that you don't get that at the first meeting with the robot. You don't get quite that how they realise that he's no interest in anybody else's safety other than his own. Yeah, I mean they, they... they build they build his character a lot more there. Yeah, because in the book they split up, don't they? They don't. Yeah. All, they don't all arrive at the bus together. They 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 split up. So um, they go off, and then yeah, they catch them up. Like the Doctor and Ace catch them up later, don't they? Yeah, as they're there. I mean, how 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 the how the Doctor and Ace actually in the book catch them up later, considering that they go off in a jeep and they're on foot. It, it could it, have been a still, very they, long walk thing, could it? <laughs> they, they, seem, they, seem, they seem to have arrived at the same time, just, or sh- very shortly after Yeah, Captain Cook and Mags have arrived. So, um, slightly there, but I, th- I think it was quite nice, the fact that there's that difference there. Mm. Well, there is, there is quite a few sort of differences, really, isn't there? I mean, even the, the opening um, as well is, is completely different with the, the thing with the satellite. Yeah, because uh, in the book the TARDIS is sort of crashing into it basically, or, or it's it's sort of deliberately trying to crash into them, I should say, and then appears in inside the TARDIS. But in the TV version, it just appears out of nowhere, doesn't it, without any sort of announcement? It's it's a, it's a little odd the start of the story, really, in in the TV yeah. version. Um, yeah, I, the, the book makes a lot more sense that they, they they almost come into contact and somehow it gets through the TARDIS's defense system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know which one I prefer. Actually, I, I think I prefer the book version on, on that. To be honest, I like, I like the, the sort of the build up to it. There's a, there's a bit more um, sort of tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, it. To, to, to be, yeah, I mean, this is this is what I mean. It's just it's not even that it's massive stuff that's different to the book to the TV to the DVD. Yeah, it is just literally you just get that bit that adds a bit more sort of tension to the book and mood to the book if you know what i mean mm. but there's this you know something he's not right all the way through yeah yeah I, do you know what thing I, I still i know we're sort of skipping around a little bit here but the, the other thing i thought about um the book and the tv series really oh it's two series the t- this particular tv story is that there's no real explanation as to what the psychic circus actually is What's psychic no. about it to begin with? Before they got involved with the with the gods of Ragnarok and everything, um, yeah. and how did they become sort of taken over by? There was no sort of real explanation. I know you should have things explained to you all the time in in sort of directly, but there was there was yeah. I, I didn't get any sense in either version. Why did they get taken over? Why were they so? Wrapped up in why, we, to... what, what, yeah. Why were they stuck on that planet yeah. in the first place? Yeah, how yeah. they. Yeah, actually, I mean, to, to be honest, one of the the problems with this story, and 
that includes the book and the DVD, is really who the gods are and what why they're why they've anchored themselves to the circus or made the circus anchor themselves or, or to that, that, that is partic- never it that particular never planet explained. as well maybe they were yeah. maybe they were just hiding on that planet and the circus stumbled across them but what was the, the significance of the medallion um, yeah. that deadbeat or kingpin is 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 then known at. what what is so specific about that why was the yeah. why was the, the 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 crystal separated from the mirror why not just destroy it all if if that's what the, the those gods of ragnarok wanted i don't know i really don't know what what you yeah know, why, just, just destroy it then why separate it destroy it you know yeah, it, that, that seemed to be yeah yeah then there was, yeah there was never an explanation as to what actually the medallion was was there no just that it existed and it could destroy them yeah and that was it and all it really did was, was... Sort of re- re- reflect back that when the tv series it, it was like laser bolts but in the in i think in the, the book it was more like lightning which made more sense really with you know with the the gods of Ragnarok, you expect more thunder and lightning yeah. and stuff, wouldn't you? So, but um, yeah, it is. That, that's yeah, one thing I was hoping for an explanation only, for. Only, yeah. sorry, sorry, the only bit I actually enjoyed and thought the TV DVD did better mm. was when the Doctor turns the snake into the umbrella. Yeah, as opposed to in the book where he somehow Jedi mind forces it into his hand. <laughs> Well, it's all about. I think the book was trying. To, I think it was saying about the because the gods of Ragnarok lacked imagination. Yeah. Um, and he didn't. He just imagine it in like the the sword. Yeah, didn't he imagine the sword into existence? And, um, yeah. And, and the, the umbrella, his umbrella into his hand. Yeah. yeah exactly. But I thought yeah. it sort of worked better as the fact that he turned the the snake. He turned the rope into a snake, and then the snake into his umbrella. I thought it sort of made. A better yeah. transition, I felt. What, what, what do you? I mean, now we're talking about that but particular that, that bit. That literally was the only bit. Oh right, okay. I, well, what about the? I mean, obviously, there was a lot more in the way of uh, magic tricks from the Doctor at the end as well. Yeah, I mean this this you know, this, so, you know, this is, a bed this is, of nails and stuff like that, wasn't it? And yeah, which which actually you didn't necessarily obviously have to to see, and I think I think. My memory of this this story is basically that it just seemed to be a vehicle for Sylvester McCoy mm. to perform tricks, really. To do his act, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, as in, as in, as in, in the TV series, he does actually get the spoons out at one stage. Oh, yeah, on numerous occasions. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit self indulgent there, really. It is. It? And, so, and you almost get the feeling that you know someone's someone's when writing this has thought, oh, you know what we could do? What's what's an excuse for Sylvester McCoy to do sort of clowning around and whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's write a circus story <laughs> and have him perform wanting to perform. You know. And you sort of get the feeling this whole story was written from that basis rather than um, from a basis of let's write a good Doctor Who story. Well, well apparently... Oh, it's the, going to be the, McCoy playing the Doctor. Yeah, well, the actual um, story is actually written around a, a suggestion by John Nathan Turner, by all accounts. He suggested, yeah, the title is The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, which the, they all thought was, was bloody awful. Um, but no, he wanted it. He wanted The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. So they sort of wrote... The story around the title that he came up with. <laughs> so, yeah. so I guess all the the McCoy um, 
sort of spoon playing and, and, and magician's act just sort of got born out of that, I suppose, didn't it? So, because that's yeah. what he naturally did. So, yeah. Um, I but I, th- I think the book sort of over egged it because I think if you did that on the telly, it would have been oh this this re- I mean it's self indulgent enough without putting in Lionel on a bed of nails and you know other, other stuff as well which you couldn't have you know couldn't have done yeah. it was just sort of I mean, over egging it yeah but I, but I suppose I mean at least in that it sort of gave you the you got more the feeling that he was playing in the book you do get the, the he's playing definitely playing for time mm. and the fact that he can't do anything spectacular early because that'd be the benchmark he sets and he's got to make sure that he tries slowly building yeah otherwise he's gonna end up not them cutting him short because he's done what the most he's everything after that's boring yeah i did i did like that there was more explanation to to that he sort of he didn't want to sort of do the it's sort of like opening with your encore basically is what he wanted to avoid wasn't it yeah you know, it's a bit like when I went and saw the Eagles a few years ago, when they, they opened with Hotel California, and it, it was just it just nosedived after that actually. So, and you threw thunderbolts at me. <laughs> Entertain me. <laughs> they didn't do that, I'm afraid. Um, now, I mean, other, I mean, there's other sort of slight sort of deviations in the book, and the one thing um, they did deviate from was when Captain Cook and Mags. Um, see Bellboy being tortured, basically, in in the yeah. of the circus. That bit was completely excised from the book, and I I don't know why because obviously what you what happens on the TV is all off camera. You just see Captain Cook and Mags's um, reactions to it. And yeah. The one thing I really liked about that scene was when the ringmaster just clicks his fingers and silences Mags screaming. She's still screaming. I, that's what I love that she's still screaming, but they've turned the sound off. Yeah. And I thought, and that was sort of like, that really sort of played up the whole supernatural psychic angle of the circus. Probably one of the only things they did do uh, with it, really. Um, but in the book, that bit's completely gone. So it just it just goes from um, Ace hearing a scream, and then she doesn't, with no explanation. Yeah. You know, so I just find that a bit of a, 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 why that was excised, really. Yeah. Because that, that was one of my favourite bits out of the, out the first episode, um, to be honest. But also the bit with the robot at the beginning, because you, you mentioned the robot earlier. Because in the book it talks, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, I quite. I mean, yeah, I I actually quite like the the talking robot. Mm. And actually, obviously, coming then to the watching the TV was very disappointed that it didn't. Yes, indeed. Because what I was trying to do with this one, um, as it was, I would try and do in future. Because I used to read all the book. And then watch the DVD. But now what I'm doing, I'm watching the episodes at a time, and then reading the book up until that point. Right. So I'm able to make sort of a, some more sort of concise sort of notes for him, and more direct comparisons rather than trying to watch it all once and read it all at once, and then then try and remember what, what all the things happened in. So when there was that, you also got the um, the the lady on the stool. With with a with a manky fruit and everything, um, just slight little variations on that as well. I mean, in the book, the doctor buys the fruit, but on the DVD, they just see it just cuts to Ace and the doctor eating it. Um, and I didn't get that sort of sense of Peggy Mount's ferociousness in the book either, to be honest. No, although actually, that was probably one of the 
the the bit a bit of casting I actually enjoyed. I actually thought fitted. Yeah, because this, this is sort of the period of the, the like the stunt casting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because you know we've had we've had. I suppose you could say Bonnie Langford was kind of stunt casting. Um, you had Ken Dodd as well as so like you say stunt casting. Um, now you got Peggy Mount. Well, Beryl, you can go back as far as Beryl Reed, really, couldn't you? To be honest, as an example of stunt casting, but I think Peggy Mount really works. Yeah, I do. In actually. this, yeah, I mean, she she always known for playing those sorts of characters anyway, and she did it very well. Um, the weird thing is, you've ever seen her interview? She's, I mean, she's nothing like that in real life. Or was nothing no. like that in real life at all. You know, so it was. Um, do you ever see well, that that thing on um, Talking Pictures? That was it. Was it Tell Me Again? I think it's called with Dick Mills. Right. You, and it basically it was like a series of this, this series he did in, in the sort of mid seventies, and it had all these old like musical acts on there, and also put like Roger Coulson, and Spike Milligan, and Norman Wisdom, and, th- and they had Peggy Melt on there as well, um, just sort of telling like anecdotes. And, and, and stuff, and she was on there, and, and the stuff she was telling was sort of like when she first sort of got a name in light sort of thing on a, on a poster and and all that, and it was such a like a sweet little story she told, and she was sort of quite sort of self-effacing and and everything. So she's nothing like the character she played. Was it George and the Dragon? Wasn't it? She her and Sid James, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. thing in the sixties. So it was. Um, oh no! Tell, was it Tell Me Again or Tell Me Another? I think it's called. It's often repeated on, on talking pictures anyway. It's well it's worth catching um for people in the UK if you can if you can get that channel. So um yeah, so I, I did like I did like um like I preferred the T V version to the book version of, of that character. Um yeah. anyway. Oh yeah, I yeah, I think she, she was. Um <laughs> and that was a very long winded way for me to get to the point that like, yes, I like the character, so <laughs> Yeah. Casting, I don't think worked. Was I just didn't like Chris Jury as Deadbeat Kingpin because actually there wasn't a lot of difference when he changed. No, <laughs> no there wasn't really, was there? Unfortunately, um, you sort of needed somebody then that suddenly had a bit of presence about them if he was called Kingpin. You default. Well, I, I, and... also, I also don't think that the the makeup helped because I think the book certainly helped to sell what happened to Kingpin. Stroke dead, but and also what happened to Bellboy, yeah, as well. Because, uh, in the book, Bellboy, after he's sort of tortured, um, his hair's white, white and yeah. he's like gaunt looking and, and everything. But in the um, the TV version, it, they sort of like put a bit of talcum powder in. Is it Christopher? Is it Christopher Gard is the actor? They sort of put... <laughs> he just looks like he's feeling a bit peaky, exactly. So he looks a bit. <laughs> Exactly, just he's just a bit off colour, you know. So, so the, I think the cut, book cut the paracetamol on it'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and I think the same again with with, with the deadbeat character because in, in the in the 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 book he's sort of he's hollow eyed, isn't he? Basically, yeah. um, and when he sort of gets his mojo back, there's there's a noticeable difference. In, in his features, yeah. which you you don't get at all in in the um, no. in the TV series, he just looks a bit a bit sweaty, yes. <laughs> and, and he's not not quite so sweaty afterwards. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so but um, no, I think I think the book sells that a lot more, which the which the book should do really. Yes, that, I think that's 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 a, a book's job, or, or a um, you know a serialization 
of of a sort of a TV serial. It, it's supposed to um, sell that a lot more and and better descriptions. Do things that the, that they can't do on the television. I think that's that's yeah. what it should do. Um, and in certain places, it does do it. I think the the, the description of Nord, um, Vandal of the Roads, is better um, in the book as well. Because yes. in the book, he's a, he's a he's a as you expect something Nord Vandal of the Roads to be a big a big character, yeah, a big huge you know lump of a man. And in the TV show, you get little Daniel Peacock. Yes, you know, I know. that that wasn't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the fact the fact that you just still fancied Peggy Mount would have beaten him in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put oh yeah, exactly. I'll put Marley on Peggy Mount, <laughs> knocking him out actually. So, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But at least, I mean, at least in in um, the the book, you get an explanation as to why he came to the circus in the first place. Yes, you know, with the promise of all the riches and and all that, which you don't get at all in the TV series. You think, why are people going to this circus? Yeah, what's the attraction here? Um, so at least there's there's some sort of explanation why this guy's just turned up. But in the book, he, he just appears at the stall, doesn't it? You don't see him sort of let, sort of materialising on that landing pad, then riding across the the wasteland. He just appears well, in the book. Well, you sort of get the idea in the book that a landing pad is is where the spaceships land, mm. rather than just people materialise in a bit of dry ice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which, which to a certain extent, I can understand budgetary. It was easier to. Well, <laughs> so true. You didn't go, want to go through the places of making spaceships. All that do is just show one people. spaceship with him landing, really. But uh, oh well, there you yeah. go. There you go. Because the other thing, um, the other sort of character that lands is Wizkid. Yes. As well, um, played by oh, was it on the team? Was it um, Jan Samarco who was um, Adrian Mole, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember rightly. Um, he gets a bit more to do in the book, doesn't he? Um, dispatch still as quickly. <laughs> mm. um, Thankfully, he... actually, because I don't think there's really anywhere that character goes. No, either well, in what, the book or in the. Well, was it supposed to be the parody of a Doctor Who fan? Yes. Ball accounts. I mean, again, I don't know quite know why they decide to do that. It's, it's a character you could quite easily get rid of. I mean, the only reason he's sort of there really is to give Captain Cook another another excuse to wheedle out to of, kill somebody else. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. To, himself. Yeah, yeah. To, to show how ruthless he is at throwing people yeah. under the bus. So that's to speak. it, really. Um, but that's only that seems to be the only reason he's there. Um, and I can't really see what. Why would you want to parody a, the Doctor Who, especially that particular time when the show yeah. was, you know, in trouble? And and why would you want to parody the the, the people who were? Still watching you, really. I know that, but that time, it, I suppose you could say it was the hardcore that, mm. that was still watching Doctor Who. I suppose you could say. I don't know. I can't remember much about that time because I sort of stopped stopped watching it around about that, you know, back in the day. Mm. So I can't really, you know. But it's all sort of biting the hand that feeds you, really, isn't it? In a funny way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's half of the course with people that perhaps some people weren't I mean it could also be the fact that they were just given this thing and didn't really want to have to write it so that they were just having a go at everything yeah well I think it's <laughs> lashing out <laughs> yeah yeah I think it was um, yeah I mean you know it, it was, it, I just found it just a, a, a strange character to include um, 
And I think really it could have been easily have excised from the book. If, you, yeah. if you're going to excise anything, then excise that, you know. No, I mean, they're, 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 I suppose that there's a point in that, that, yeah, he was. And then he was also, and also the fact that he was generally a fan of the captain as well. Well, he was a fan of everything. He was a fan of the circus, the captain. Um, yeah. I suppose in the book he, he was asking for everybody's autographs, wasn't he? I think which yeah. you don't you don't see um, uh, you, you know you don't you don't see on the television no. version. Yeah, but um, I think the other um, sort of <laughs> thing as well, you get a bit more about Morgana in the book, don't you? About her sort of where she's not quite bought into this whole thing with with the Ragnarok gods and everything. There's a bit more about her in a turmoil. A turmoil. In yeah. the book, which sort of fleshes she, her character yeah. out, yeah, she wants to, you know, you sort of get that more to that. Whereas it's just a quite quick line, isn't it, in the TV that she says, she starts to say, "Oh, perhaps you wouldn't want to," or yeah, whatever, and is then sort of overruled by the chief yeah. clown. Yeah, the ringmaster's still a, a, a blank slate of a character, really. Yeah, and, and he's actually that that the intro just gets annoying on this in the TV. Well, the things I'd, I'd forgotten because obviously I'd forgotten about the rapping thing, um, yeah. And then when, and again, that is just so eighties. It, it really yeah. is. It's I don't know if, <laughs> whether they sort of look back at it and think that was was that such a good idea because that really dates it you know, yeah. more, more than anything else. I think it's that rapping thing. Um, but <laughs> but when I was reading it in the book, I was rapping it in my head. And I thought, oh god, no, it's happened to me now. So. <laughs> Oh god! I started rapping in my mind. <laughs> Save me! Oh, dear. <laughs> that would have been worth listening to. <laughs> the, the most white middle class rapping you can ever yes. hear in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> white middle class rapping of a bit from Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, oh. it ticks all the boxes. It does. It does. The, the, uh, the other thing that that's um, there's like another couple of things that that's just quite a few things that are different. Really, is when um, Ace and Deadbeat get back to the bus. Uh, the conductor's already there in the book. Yeah. Um, but in the TV version, they sort of drive up, offload him whilst they're inside, and somebody managed to sneak his way onto the bus, doesn't he? Um, and I think I think the, the the book version is a lot better. He's already there, waiting. Well, the, also the yeah. fact that that Ace doesn't is it actually thinks oh they don't have to worry about him anymore because he's they've already destroyed him. Yeah. So she thinks it's going to be quite safe. And then of course uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not. No. Yeah. I mean, the my actually my favourite bit of the book mm. is when. Bellboy basically turns the robots on himself. Yeah, and it's the unease and the the fear. The first time that the chief clown's really frightened. There. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, that's the uh, you know this is. It is quite a grim something. story, really. Isn't it is. It? I mean, it is. It is, and it's just. But it doesn't really. TV just didn't really bring it across. People die, and it just wasn't really any. Because it, it, even that, it, in the TV one, the chief clown still gives that you know cheery wave as he leaves the caravan. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 
which I didn't mind Whereas actually because he's just it, I think that the, the, that's why I like the that the way he plays him because it's just he's just a psychopath basically. Yeah, but there was the, but the, but that in the book comes across because that is the one time when he's actually he is scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That everything's you know it's all going wrong now. Now they've lost the person that could rebuild the the clowns and. Mm. Yeah, the, it's coming down to just the few of them left. Yeah, yeah, he, no, he's, he's, he's grim. He's quite a grim, a grim story. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, even he... from the beginning. I mean, the beginning of the book sets off with you know, Bellboy and um, Flower Child. Mm. That you get more of a sense of their desperation. Mm, you do, yeah. That you don't really get from the TV. And it's all done. That's all done too quickly. It just seems to ru- they rush through. They seem to rush through the, in the TV version. They just seem to after reading the book, it just seems to rush through what you thought was actually the dramatic bits and the bits that would make you feel for the characters. Yeah, I mean, as no, and then spend more time with the rapping ringmaster. Yeah, and whatever, I know, I know. It, getting the, the priorities wrong. I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, it's not a long book as as many of these target novelizations no. are. You know, uh, very very short. But um, as I was said, we it sort of cut a few thing, a couple of things out that, that was in the TV version, but and then added a few more bits in. But it's still a quick read. It's still very very quick. But it's, but as you say, it seems to take its time. Yeah. Th- throughout the, the shorter, even as I say, it's a short book. It still managed to take its time though, which I, it's I mean, it's quite a, a rare thing to be honest. Yeah. So it's only, you know. Or was it 141 pages? So it's not, you know, it's nowhere near as long as sort of Battlefield that we read, you know. So um, no, but but another thing that was, was different as well, and which I think again worked better in the in the book, um, is when the Doctor's trying to escape from the werewolf mags um, in the ring, and in the book he's using a trapeze. Yeah. Which makes more Which sense. Makes He's in the circus. Yes. Yes. Um, but obviously they couldn't afford that because they were filming in a car park. <laughs> there was yeah. there was no roof, uh, basically. Um, so he, he escapes on a rope. Um, but the he's hanging from that. There's there's a lot more sort of tension in that scene as well because he's he's hanging from that that trapeze for a long time. Yeah, trying to going escape. Back yeah, exactly. And it's and you get the thing that thing that he actually realises he's got to do something soon before he just. Drops out of exhaustion and yeah, can't and he's going to be defenceless. Yeah, precisely. And when he does drop to the floor and he appeals to Mags, he in the book he does it calmly. Yeah, you know, it, it, but in the the TV version you get a very very shouty McCoy. Yeah, um, desperate. Des- yeah, and it doesn't really play to McCoy's strengths. No. Really? Well, that, yeah, the 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 calm, calculating. Yeah, would have done. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think the way it's written in the book would would would, would suit McCoy a lot better. I, yeah. I really do think that. Um, but even at the, the the ending as well, you 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 know, you've got the the, main, the big thing about the big explosion that was bigger than it should have been that goes up beyond Sylvester McCoy. You don't get that in the book, do you? No, it just basically cuts doesn't it <laughs> yeah and it's sort of, and it goes on it's no explain just about the myth of how it disappeared yeah and, and it was brought down by this person that called himself the doctor and i know i quite like that actually i quite like the, the way they sort of just sort of rather than say there was a, there was a big explosion at the end um it was more a case of you know what happened went on into, into legend 
Yeah. And then it cut back to Ace and Doctor saying goodbye to Mags and, and Kingpin. So, um, yeah, I, I prefer that ending. Yeah. It's and the book key. also just does keep frying up the fact that you're not quite sure how much the Doctor knows in advance of what's going on. Well, wasn't this really sort of the beginning of the Doctor sort of knowing more and manipulating people? Yeah. Because he does that a bit in um, Silver Nemesis, you, you, the story that precedes this, you, you get a bit of that, and certainly in Battlefield as well. Um, you know, he's he's been sort of other other people in history. You know, like he's he's yeah. known as Merlin for argument's sake. Um, I think this is sort of this was sort of sowing the seeds of that that kind of Doctor, wasn't it? And um, and this and is certainly I, that certainly that relationship with Ace. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the book, he's very much there. Yeah, yeah. He, he sort of almost plays on her fear of circuses, and he, he's getting her to face her fears, isn't he? Yeah, and, and clowns and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is this is when the McCoy's Doctor got interesting, and there were some. I mean, there were some interesting stories. I, I don't think they knew how to what to do with the Doctor. They, they tried to make him all jokey and 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 flippant and come up with, with little mixing up catchphrases and stuff. And I think in this they they start to make him a bit more interesting. Yeah. So yeah, they they suddenly realised actually that they had someone who could play a very mysterious person. Mm. Whereas I think when they cast McCoy, they really didn't know what they was getting. No, I don't think they really knew what direction to take the the, the character in. Did they yeah. really at that point? And I, I think by by here, I think they had a bit more of a, an idea of where they were going. Yeah, really. So. There's still a, there's still a lot of mystery to the the book doesn't explain explain everything as I say this, the whole thing about you know why they're on this planet why the psychic circus is is doing what it's doing why is it called a psychic circus um, with well, some well. some other the target books yeah you'd have, you'd have almost imagined there'd have been a prologue yeah that would have given you the background to the psychic yeah. circus very quick and then you move on to the main story I yeah. suppose it's there's a question of how much they wanted to give away. Because mm. um, obviously you have got the um, deadbeat kingpin um, switch going on, which you don't realise at the beginning. Mm. So, yeah, I can understand. I suppose there was a question of where do you put that? Because if you put it as a prologue, is it too? does it give too much of the story away Yeah. later yeah. on? And if you put it into the middle, where does that go? The only place I suppose you could have actually given an explanation mm. would have been when Deadbeat become back, comes back to being Kingpin. You either got there, because obviously you could have then said, because it was supposed to have been him that took them there. A quick bit of exposition, yeah. Yeah. But I suppose at that point you've got the race against time, so it would we would all been saying there like, either, yeah, oh. yeah. So, so so they then sat down and had a chat about it. Didn't they? <laughs> the only way they could have done it, I suppose, is if they'd have done it as, as a sense of while they're in the hearse driving back, he gives a quick, a quick because obviously yeah. obviously they'd still be racing back, mm. but he could have given a a brief description of why they're there and what happened. 
Yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Oh, well. You can't have everything, Paul. You can't have everything. No. But, but I mean, on the whole, I, I, I quite enjoyed reading it. To be yeah, honest. I actually, yeah, I did it. You know. I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed that she enjoyed the story, which surprised me because <laughs> I have to say I wasn't keen on, no. on it as a TV program. And then sometimes with these ones where you're not particular in the past, where we've had ones where not been particularly my favourite story, when you've read the book and you've got a bit more background, and then when you watch the TV, you sort of a bit more into it because you sort of know the you you get more identity with the characters. Yeah, I'm afraid not. No, oh dear. Still just doesn't work as a as a TV version for me. I'm afraid. Oh dear, oh dear. Oh well. well as I say, the 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 McCoy era is, is quite uh, along with the Colin Baker era on television at least is is quite a divisive era for yes. a lot of fans, isn't it? So, um, oh well. I know. I'd say I've always had a bit of a soft spot for that particular story. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to say I quite. You know, I, I enjoyed reading the book as well. Yes. You know, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd say to people, yeah, read the book. Actually, if you, even if you don't like, even if you didn't like the, yeah. the TV episodes, then yeah. actually read the read book the book. Yeah, I think there, there's think... a slightly better story in there than you realise. There is indeed, indeed. Good. Okay, shall we? Um, shall we leave that there? Yes. Yes, so. let's do so. Right. Okay, then. So, um, I think the next time we're back. Um, together, I think we're back on our series one retrospective, aren't we? Yes, I believe so. Yes, and we've reached um, Aliens of London. This yes. is going to be interesting. Okay, so <laughs> okay, but in between, then um, there is uh, going to be coming up another interview special, um, and that this one's going to be um, with Michael Pitwo, and this was again recorded at the Hooverville Convention at the beginning of September. So uh, look out for that one. And that's also going to be um, paired up with. I was lucky enough to be sent a review copy of um, the Tom Baker Years um, DVD. So um, so I'm going to like did with the um, the Patrick Troughton Years one I did a few weeks back. So uh, I've got I've, I've sent a preview copy of that, so I'm going to be uh, reviewing that um, as well at the same time. So uh, that that should hopefully be coming next week. But we'll, but me and Paul will be back week after next. Yes. So I hope I hope that all makes sense. It did to me anyway. Did it to you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it. Glad we're seeing the same page there. So until next time, then everyone, it is goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Who's he?